You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. This week we have two messages. First, we have Pastor Luke continuing our series on moving forward in evangelism, sharing that the time is now to share the gospel. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, it's going to be a good day. I love him so much. Let's just close our eyes and let's just honor him in this moment. Father, I love you. Father, that it's all about you. That, God, it's not about a three-point message. It's not about a great sermon. But, Father, we simply just want to be in your presence. That, Father, in your presence is the fullness of all joy. So, Father, we say right now that we need you now. So, Father, right now as people have come in, God, open their hearts to hear what you have to say this morning, God. That it's not my word, but it's your word, and it's a now word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Well, if you can see behind me, the title of the message is, The Time Is Now, meaning you. The time is now. And I think so often with evangelism, with going out and talking with people, we like to think, well, you know what? I can do that in a year. I can do that when the time is just right. I can do that when, you know what? That next day, that next encounter with Jesus, then I can actually, maybe then that will be my time. And I'm here to tell you today that there's a never more convenient season than right now for you to start sharing the gospel outside of these four walls. I forgot to mention that I'm a youth pastor and that I'm very intense. Very intense. I'm probably going to yell the entire time. Not because I don't like you, it's simply because I love you so much that it's for you today. So I would encourage you right now to actually take your seat buckle and buckle it because you might actually get blasted out of your seat this morning. Like, I, I don't have time to play games. I'm going to preach to you as I preach to the youth on a Wednesday at night. So as I look out there, I see young faces. The old ones out there, you're young today. Amen? All right, I want to jump into a quote really quick just to set this up. Uh, before we start in the message, and this was by a man named W.E.B. Du Bois, and he was actually an African-American man that fought um, for African-American rights back in 1895. Now, this man actually had to do something to see something happen. It's the same way with evangelism. The only way you can honestly see something happen in someone's life is for you to actually take a step. Are you with me? So he says this quote, He says, now is the accepted time, not tomorrow, not some more convenient season. It is today that our best work can be done and not some future day or future year. It is today that we fit ourselves for the greater usefulness of tomorrow. Today is the seed time and now are the hours of work and tomorrow comes the harvest and the play time. I need you to know that there's never going to be more of a convenient season than for you right now to go and see people turn to Jesus through your life. Every day, we can come up with an excuse after an excuse after an excuse. The only way you break that excuse is actually to start moving out in it. And this man was someone that in past history had to actually start fighting for the rights of the black people to see a movement actually start happening. God does not call the qualified he qualifies the called but so often you out there in the seats you sit back thinking well listen 
Luke, you're a pastor. You're a youth pastor. Jonathan's a pastor. Aaron's a pastor. Pastor Chris, he's intense. He's the evangelist. Jeffrey, he's on staff. He's an evangelist. It's his job to go see people saved. Let me tell you what. God does not come and say, I want you that's qualified. I actually want the one that doesn't have anything in his mind so he can actually use you. He doesn't want someone that thinks they know everything and have everything figured out. But so often we sit back thinking, well, listen, I'm unqualified for the job, so that's my excuse for the way out. I think it's important that we look in the word and look at the people that Jesus called. I think we look at Matthew. Look at Matthew's life. He was a tax collector. Matthew was a man that was a thief. He stole from people. Back in the day, the, the, the tax collectors would go knock on the doors and the people would open the door. Now, the government actually had to have a certain amount, but it was okay for these tax collectors to actually up the rate so they could actually bring and pocket more money. He was a thief. He was unqualified for the job. Look at Peter. Peter was a man that denied Christ three times. He had an anger, an anger issue. You look at his life, and man, this guy's whacked out, but God says, I see potential in this man. I want you. I want you. I don't want the one that thinks they have it all figured out. I want the one that knows nothing so I can actually equip them for the gospel. You look at Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, right? The man that, that didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead because, oh, so sorry, Thomas. You were not there the first time he came to the disciples. Thomas wasn't in the room when he rose again. And so Thomas was like, what are you talking about, guys? Like, you're saying that, that, that Jesus rose again? He never saw Jesus. So then he comes into the room, and Jesus comes and stands in front of him and has to show him, oh, Thomas, you doubt so much. He had little faith. He was unqualified. Look at Abraham, the old man. Some of you in this room, check out because you're old. Oh, your time's not up. Your time's not up. Don't you ever use that as an excuse to say, you know what? I'm too old. I, I have my rhythm. I have my routine of doing things. I'm good enough doing my thing. Listen, Abraham was old. He never stopped. Look at young David, all the young people in the house. Listen, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. The same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives in us. There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. And so when you look at David's life, I could say you could think that he was an unqualified man. That when he's going simply just bringing food down for the armies, for the army, his brothers, and this uncircumcised Philistine is standing out in this field. This seven foot tall, massive man. Little young David comes up. He's like, what's up with this man? I'm young, but I'll take him out. I don't care what it looks like. And both armies are like, oh, this is going to be bad. Right? Saul's trying to put all the super heavy, heavy chain mill on him. He's like, take it off. It's too heavy. I have a heart for God. God is simply looking for a people to say, you know what? I'm in. You look at my life, and I'm no different than any one of you. I'm a simple dairy farmer that said yes to Jesus. I'm simple. I'm crazy. I just simply believe what the word of God says. 
I'm just crazy enough to believe what God says to be true. But some of us read the Bible as a fairy tale. We read them as characters in a book. Well, that was cool. This happened a long time ago. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. When I read the red letters, I believe it. Jesus isn't looking for someone that's big and strong. He's looking for a heart that's willing to say yes. He's looking for people like a David to say, you know what? I have a heart after God and I'm going to be used by God. I'm a farmer for eight years. I grew up on a farm. I don't know. I graduated from Woodland. I live in Woodland. And where God has taken me this last year and what he's done in my life was only because I said yes to him. The call on your life is held back just by your yes. All you have to say is, you know what, God? Okay, let's do it. Your time is now. If you want to keep making excuses day in and day out to never be used, so be it. You're missing out on a lot of fun. Let, let me prove to you in the word. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Are we good? I'm not too intense? I had one girl one time in youth group. I said, man, am I, am I too, too intense to the whole group? And this one little hand rose up and said, uh, sometimes. I said, good, I'm doing my job. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it says, but you are a chosen people. Hey, we're talking about you right now. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are God's people oh when he comes inside of you changes you forever once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy let's jump to mark 16:15 really quick now these are Jesus's words if you don't like it oh my take it up with him he said to them Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay, now, now I need you to look at this. I need you to look at that. Now, it doesn't say, and pastors go into all the world. It doesn't say, Pastor Luke, it's your job to go into the world. It doesn't say, evangelist, that's your calling to go, no, it simply says go. Meaning myself, meaning you, meaning that you're qualified for the job, that God's saying that you are a royal people. That when Christ comes and lives inside of you, you're housing the Holy Spirit. He's alive in us. And now it's our job as believers and the body of Christ to go out there and bring people in. I, I, I believe this, that there's a Jesus people arising that they're no longer going to come through those doors looking to get filled up. They're going to come in already filled every single Sunday. I believe that there's a people that are actually going to be on their face every morning seeking after the presence of God because that is what it's all about. The presence of God is what takes you to talk to people. It's not a good idea. It's not a good book. Listen, I was encountered by Jesus. Two times that have forever marked my life, forever. It was an encounter with Jesus that brings me to my knees every morning. 
It wasn't some book that I read. It wasn't some college that I went to. It was simply Jesus Christ revealing himself to me that no one can ever take a testimony away from me. I'm set free from the dominion of darkness. But so often there's people in the church that have been set free, but we're ashamed to go out there and tell people what God's done in our life. If Jesus, whoa, I don't know if I want to say that. If Jesus truly set you free, you wouldn't be afraid to go share the gospel with other people. I would dare to say the ones that are not going out there and proclaiming the gospel have garbage in their life that need to get dealt with. You're equipped for the job. But sometimes we have to look at our life, say, God, I'm in. And when you say you're in, you're not half in and half out. There's no such thing as a gray area. In fact, the devil owns the gray area. And people in America are so often living on the gray area. That's where we go. Comfortable Christianity, I'm going to crush it in Jesus' name. I hate it. That's what destroyed my life. Comfortable Christianity. Coming in on a Sunday during Easter. Coming in on a Sunday during Christmas. Two times a year. Salvation is a person. Salvation isn't a rule and regulation. It's a relationship with him. When I met him face to face, everything changed. Let's go to Matthew. I want to honor time today too. Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, again, it's Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, I understand that there's a lot of city people in here that have never lived on a farm, that have never experienced farm work, but let me, let me share with you. In fact, let's all just go on a field trip to the Donald Farm for a moment. When it is harvest time, it is not time to go on vacation. When it's harvest time... There is no time to sit on your hands and watch the other people work. In fact, when it's harvest time, I got to the point that I knew when I could not even think about asking possibly if I could maybe go on vacation because it was an N-O. Harvest time is work time. And so often as the body of believers, we sit in church on our hands saying, you know what? I'll cry out for revival. I'll come in, I'll sing with the congregation, I'll sing for God to drop a bomb in woodland and for everybody to come to know Jesus, but when the harvest time comes, I'm out. I'm on vacation, I'm going to Mexico. On the farm so often, we have to bring extra people on for the harvest time because we have so much work. There's no sleep. It's day in and day out, baby, until that field is in. I think I need to paint a picture to show harvest time it's not joyful time. It's work. But then Jesus is saying the laborers are few. So if we're crying out for revival for a city and God actually honors it and drops revival, who's going to clean the mess up? He's looking for you, the one sitting in the seat, to say, you know what? I can be a laborer. Because we can see a city change. We can see a city come to know Jesus. 
but then people are going to need to be discipled. He's going to call on the ones that maybe been a believer for a day, maybe been a believer for 50 years, way more seasoned than I am, but he's calling you out of your seat saying, I want to use you to disciple nations so I can actually bring revival. If you want revival, you start becoming it. Stop calling for God to bring it and you actually go step in action. Oh, we're doing good. He wants believers to stop being on the defensive. And he wants us to start being on the offensive. If I went around the room today and simply just asked every person in here what God has done for you in your life, we would be here for hours. But yet we're so ashamed to go out there and tell people what Christ has actually done in our life. There's a, a phrase that's been said, I don't really hear it anymore, but it's that whole, it's just a religious spirit. And it's the thought of, well, you're just shoving Jesus down throats. You're just intense, you're radical, you're crazy, like you need to calm it down. And listen, I, I understand the balance that we have to be loving when we evangelize. You don't go up there and just say, bro, you're going straight to hell. Listen, there, hell's real. Jesus actually talks about it more than, any, like, than heaven. Why? Because he actually doesn't want you to go there. But it's your choice that leads you there. But there's this thing that says, well, you're just shoving Jesus down throats. I would rather have someone mad at me right now in this temporal world than to go stand before the Lord on judgment day and account for their life. I would rather today have someone mad at me on the street for me sharing the gospel of Jesus to them than them go and stand before the Lord and say, why did Luke never tell me about the simplicity of the gospel and what Jesus did for me on the cross? I would much, much rather have them mad in the moment. Listen, when you stand before the Lord, it's you and him. Some of you in this room need to hear it today, that it's you and him. It's not your grandma that has said a prayer for you. It's not your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your pastor that's been praying for you day in and day out. When it's judgment day, it's you and him. You account for your life. So often we write on a prayer that we said in fifth grade. Jesus doesn't want your prayer. He wants your life. It didn't say that God so loved the world that he sent the sinner's prayer. It didn't say that God so loved the world that he sent an altar. It said that God so loved the world that he sent his son, meaning a person. Salvation is a man. Salvation is a man with hair and hands and feet. He's a, he's a real person. Now I understand the, the, the sinner's prayer is a way to lead us into salvation, but that's not salvation. Salvation is simply Jesus alone. You account for him and him alone. What I, what I want to do just in closing here, we have a couple minutes. And I, I, I know I'm, I'm very intense. And I love it. Love it. What I want to do is I just want to give three very simple steps to evangelism. Simple, 
Two simple steps. Just super simple. Why? Because you're all ready now. I think it's time that we lay the excuses at the altar and actually leave them. But we're not leaving them to an empty altar. We're actually leaving them at Jesus' feet. See, we, we, we run to an altar every day and we leave with the same junk. Because we're running to something empty, we're not actually running to Jesus himself. So three simple evangelism tips. Number one, are you ready? Just talk to people. Some of us in here need to go back to, to, to square one of I'm terrified to even talk to anybody. Like I'm good talking on Instagram, I'm good on Facebook, I'm good on texting, but when it comes to actually face-to-face, and I'm not even talking about, tell them about Jesus. I'm just saying, learn to talk to them. What does that look like? It looks like you, in your everyday life, actually opening a door for somebody. It looks like you actually smiling. Like you actually believe what Jesus did for you. I'm like this every day. I don't know about you. I feel like I spend more time trying to wake people up than anything. But you can have the joy of the Lord every single day if you want it, only if you go to the presence of him. So number one, talk to people. Open the door. Grocery line, how's your day going? Was that hard? How's your day going? Talking to them, asking them, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, they will truly see Jesus in you. Let me share an example. When I, I go into the high schools, and at La Center High School, I, I'm allowed in as a volunteer, but I can't say the name of Jesus. Now, I've been all around the world. It's hard to articulate the gospel in another language, but it's even harder when you can't mention his name. But there was a time when I walked in at lunch, and there was a boy. Now, this was like a La Center wannabe gangster. Big kid, he was like double my size. Sitting alone, by himself. And I walk by and God says, that's him. I said, oh, Jesus, okay. Now, I can't mention his name. I turn around and just begin to pour into this kid. I begin to love on him. And he stops me and says, listen, bro, I don't, I don't talk to teachers, principals. I don't get along with anybody. But for some reason, he sat there and talked to me all lunch period, telling me everything and all the junk that's going on in his life. Why? Because he saw the light of the world in me. You are a city set on a hill for your light to be shown for all to see. Your actions should actually be louder than your words. That when you walk into a dark place, you actually don't have to say the name of Jesus. Because every demonic and devil flee when you walk into a place. Number two, really quick. Just invite people. Let's read John 1, 36 through 39 really quick. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. What do you have Jesus doing in this passage? Inviting them. Simply to come and to see. 
there's another boy at the high school. Again, I can't, I can't mention Jesus. And week after week, I've been working on this boy since the beginning of the school year. And people watch you on Facebook, on Instagram. People follow you. Like, you might not think people are paying attention because you might not get more than five likes. But let me tell you, all the world sees everything that you're doing. So this boy... I've invited him to Youth Hub time and time again. He's like, he's so just intimidated. He just, he, he doesn't even know why. I'm like, bro, why wouldn't you come? He's like, well, I don't, I don't even actually know why I won't come. But he, he's following me on Instagram. I'm posting all this crazy stuff. And every time he asks me, he's like, so what are you going to do tonight? Nothing, he never shows up again. What are you going to do again? What, like, what are you doing? Well, never shows up. We did a huge knocker ball event, and now this boy, he's like, bro, this looks awesome. Like, I, I want to, to, to do this. I'm like, bro, just come and see. Just simply come and be a part. And every time he would ask what was going on for a night, I would just say, hey, bro, just come and see. Because I know once we get him into this building, he's Jesus's. He's willing to come. He has an open heart. Jesus is just going to mess him up. So he comes to this big event. He actually came. From me just pursuing, hey, bro, just come, just come and see, just come and see, come and see. He finally comes. He has so much fun. Why? Because he's in a community of people that love each other, in a, in a community of people that are uplifting and encouraging one another. He comes the one time. Then we actually do Youth Hub where there's music and preaching and Jesus is talked about. Guess who came? That boy. Because I never stopped going after him. So often we can write off people, and, and God confronted me one time. He said, don't you ever write someone off. I have the final say. I'm the one with the final word. But so often we look at people in our life and say, you are so far gone. I don't have time for you. In fact, you're, you're in my life, and you're actually a nuisance. You're annoying. Get out of here. I don't have time for you. And God says, don't you ever leave a person. I have the final say. Number three is this. Just witness. I understand that everybody in this room is in a different area in life. I know that we have ones that have been believers for a week. I know that we have ones that are way more seasoned than I am. But with evangelism, it's simply just opening your mouth. Number three is just witness. Your greatest weapon is your testimony. Just the other day, I was at getting my hair cut. doesn't really look like it because I didn't cut a lot off. But I went to the hairdresser. And, and I was there, and I, the moment I sat in that seat, it was on. And he even says, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to a baseball game. I'm going to. I'm gonna, he's like, oh, you got a kid? I'm like, no, I'm actually a youth pastor at the Promise Church. Like, I just look for my inn, and let me tell you, when I find it, it's no going, going back. And, and he just begins to talk to me. He's like, well, you, didn't, you don't really look like a youth pastor. Like, you're actually kind of cool. So thanks, man. It's awesome. Long hair does it, man. You got to fit in with those kids. And, and I remember talking to him the entire time, probably about 20 minutes. And I'm not about arguing with people. I'm not about going and saying, I'm right, you're wrong. I go and I respect people and then I tell them testimonies. 
one after another, after another, after another, after another. I, like Pastor Chris says, he would dare to say he has more in a day than some of you in your lifetime. And I sit there and he's trying to reason with me. Like he's trying to tell me everything he knows. I'm like, bro, I don't even care what you know. Listen to this testimony, what Jesus did. It's all about him anyways. So I began to share a story. Listen, bro, I was in Israel, and I, I was up on top of Mount Carmel, and God came and touched me. I was on the ground for over an hour screaming under the power of God. I couldn't get up. When they did get me up, I was hit, carried by two people back to the bus. I couldn't focus for about two or three hours. Real story. God encountered me so hard that I was on the ground just like going to die. And some of you in this room, that just bugs a lot of you. Like, why would you? How could you? He's so far out of your mind. He's so far out of your grid. And we make Jesus to become this person that we want him to be. Let him actually become him in your life. When Jesus wants to touch you, watch out. Because you're not getting up for a while. But I share that because that's a testimony that's happened to me. That no one could ever take away from me. They can come and argue with me to their blue in the face about the Bible and their theology. But let me tell you what. When you tell your story and what Christ has done in your life, that's your testimony and no one will ever take it from you. Start with your testimony. You can, you can actually start today. Isn't that amazing? Let's just stand in closing. Was that encouraging? It's simple. Step one, just talk to them. Step two, maybe invite them. I don't know. Step three, share your heart. Easiest place to start is where Jesus has actually done something in your life. Let's just put our hands out. I just want to pray for everyone really quickly. And I just believe that from this moment forward, it's never going to be the same in your life. It'll never be the same. You're going to walk out of that place, this place and say, man, Luke is intense. But something happened in my life. I'm not a pastor that just weaves in and out. No, I don't even deal with the gray area. It's not even existent. It's either you're in or you're out. You go out of America, people die for this. Be blessed that you live in America where you can freely come and worship Jesus. Went to India. The week before I got there, someone was slaughtered in their church, killed. Why? Because he was proclaiming the gospel. It's either you're in or you're out. You choose. You account for your life. Jesus, right now, I just pray that you come and just touch every heart in this place. And I even want to do this. If there's some of you in this room that do not know Jesus, and as I've been speaking, you're just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I'm feeling something in my heart. It's stirring, and I need to know this Jesus. I would encourage you just to raise your hand right now and wave it at me so we can pray with you. It'll be the best decision of your life. From going from darkness to light in a moment. So if that's you this morning and you're like, I want to enter in to a relationship with, just, with this Jesus that Luke is talking about. Just show me your hand. I just want to give the opportunity. 
So Father, right now I pray. Just everybody say this with me. Say, Jesus, I make you the king of my heart. Thank you for saving me from all of my sin, my darkness, my worst days. Father, I thank you for being the Lord of my life, for becoming the shepherd of my heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.